everybody. My name is Lindsay Young, and I am a staff writer and assistant editor here with the Minnesota Vikings. Thank you so much for tuning in to another segment of our Getting Open series, which focuses on all things mental health. Throughout this series, we've had the opportunity to talk with a number of current players, including Eric Kendricks, Jalen Holmes, Adam Thielen. We spoke with Vikings General Manager Rick Spielman. And last week, we had the honor of hearing from Hall of Fame defensive tackle John Randall, who really shared his thoughts and his heart around the topic of mental health, specifically within the NFL Legends community. So that's why I'm so excited this week to sit down with fellow NFL legend Tony Richardson. Now, Tony had a 16-season career in the NFL. He spent most of his career, the first part of his career, um, in Kansas City with the Chiefs, and he then played for the Vikings in 2006 and 2007, which we'll hear more about in a second. And Tony is equally passionate about working with NFL alumni and really being a part of that, that network, that community, and also encouraging others to look out for their mental well-being, to be aware of mental health, and to really normalize that conversation around not being okay. So let's take a listen to what Tony had to say. Tony, thank you so much for joining us. Um, As we just mentioned in our intro, um, for fans who maybe don't know as much about your career, 16-season career in the NFL, super impressive. Of course, just two of those years were in Minnesota, 2006 and 2007, um, the latter of which was a Pro Bowl season for you. It was probably a short and sweet time for you, but what did you appreciate about your time in Minnesota with the Vikings? Uh, You know, it was definitely, uh, it was was a change, I think, just because, you know, I had been in Kansas City. So actually, I played seven. 17 years. So a lot of people, because I had one year with the Dallas Cowboys on practice squad. So since the counts against my pitching, I say 17. So, <laughs> um, but you know, it was different. You know, it was, um, uh, you know, I spent 11 years uh, in Kansas City and that's kind of where, you know, I kind of my football career kind of blossomed and, and you know, took off. And then, um, you know, uh, the Vikings actually had a, a leadership change, a new head coach, and then a dear buddy of mine by the name of Les Pico happened to be uh, happened to come over to Minnesota. And he said, hey, you know, Tirich, uh, you owe it to yourself to uh, just kind of look around and come come check out and see what you know, what direction the organization is going. And it was as soon as my feet you know, touched the ground in, uh in Minnesota, it was just like it just felt right, you know, from the greeters at the airport to, you know, the hospitality, the Vikings organization, the leadership and the direction they were going, you know, it just, it just felt right. And then, um, you know, obviously the first year uh, I actually had an injury. So I was, you know, I was out and missed some time the first year. Second year, we brought this guy in by the name of Adrian Peterson, uh, who's actually over my shoulder right now in a Pro Bowl picture. And, <laughs> and he gave me life. And it's interesting because, you know, I, I initially said, okay, you know, come to Minnesota, two-year deal, and I'm pretty much going to hang the cliques up. And AP literally is just like taking, um, you know, when your older dog starts to start slowing down a little bit, you get him a puppy. So <laughs> I got me a puppy. And so AP would be like, hey, T-Rich, you want to run uh, sprints after practice? I was, oh, yeah, we, we run sprints all the time. And I was like, OK, over back, that's one. He was like, no, let's do this. Over back, over back, that's one. I'm like, how many you want to do? Four. I'm like, bro, we just finished practice and you want to do all this running. But, it, uh, you know, he gave me life, um, you know, just to be able to, to see a young man that gifted um, to be able to work in the, you know, work in the community. It was a, it was, it was a great opportunity. Well, I love to hear that. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, you ended up not hanging up your cleats, like you mentioned, and you did finish your career with the Jets. Yeah. Um, so played another few seasons. 
for the past 10 years or so then, um, how have you stayed connected to just the NFL family and why is that something that's important to you? Yeah, so uh, the department actually uh, I work with now, and actually I work, uh, you know, along uh, John Randall and obviously Tracy McDonald with, with the Vikings. And so my position is I'm the Northeast coordinator for Legends Community. And I think, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things because my last year in 2010, 2011 was the year we actually had the, the lockout and I was on the union side of that lockout. And um, and I think I just kind of needed to take some space away just to kind of clear my mind from the NFL as well as from the union. So I kind of you know, was in kind of a, a different space where just trying to figure out what was next. And this opportunity, you know, I'm still living here in New York City and opportunity, you know, um, you know, came to my table uh, about helping former players and helping them in that transition. And I was thinking to myself, like, you know, I kind of wish I had someone that kind of pulled me through that transition. And, you know, one thing in life we realize we're always transitioning, you know, I don't care if you're 80, if you're 90, there's a transition in some form in your life. And the more people in the team that you can have around you, um, you know, the easier that transition is going to be. And so um, I'm the Northeast coordinator for Legends Community. And so my two teams I support um, living here in New York, the New York Jets and the Giants, but we work as a team. And so if there's someone, um, you know, maybe a former Viking that's here in the New York area, John may call me up and say, hey, can you get on the phone, you know, with such and such or vice versa. So, you know, we work side by side. And the number one thing is just making sure our guys are doing well, you know, after football and just trying to, um, allow them and understand like the power of the shield and the opportunities that you you can have um you know staying connected you know back with your NFL clubs. I love that you brought up John too because we did, just did a recent segment with him um and it's great to have both of you a part of this series. I know that you had mentioned a little bit to me about being involved with MVP. Can you yeah. talk, tell us a little bit what that looks like? Yeah, so MVP is something that's very near and dear to my heart. Um so MVP the acronym is merging veterans and players. Um, and it literally is something I kind of knew about um, for a while uh, with my dad being former military. So my dad served 30, 32 years of Vietnam veteran proper heart. My sister did 28 years in four deployments. And so it's it's kind of the exact same transition. You know, I saw my sister. Well, first I saw my dad transition, you know, being a alpha male and being, uh, you know, someone in a leadership position and having soldiers around everywhere he goes, people saluting him. And then all of a sudden he comes home and my mom's not saluting him. So I saw him kind of go through that transition of, uh, you know, just what's, what's next. And so what Jay Glazer and um, Nate Boyer, um, they actually, Nate actually served with Pat Tillman. And so he's a, he was a, uh, a Marine, if I stand corrected. And he actually served uh, and he actually played for the Seattle Seahawks. So they started just to kind of see like, you know, veterans uh, and professional athletes kind of go through that same type of um, loss of identity, uh, kind of um, trying to figure out what's next and, you know, doing something at the highest level and then all of a sudden it's over and it's like, boom. And so it's, um, it's an opportunity and it's really been great because it's something that helped me tremendously through the pandemic um, because normally it's an in-person workout um, for 30 minutes and then you sit down, grab some water and everyone sits in a huddle, like the true huddle like you have in football and you just talk and you share and it's uh, unbiased, there's no judgment, there's no politics, don't force religions, really don't force um, opinions unless somebody asks like for, you know, for help. But it's just an open opportunity just to sit and just talk because I think as men and women, because as service women as well, you know, we harbor all of this stuff up. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, because we're told in football, hey, if you break your finger, okay, tape it up, you gotta keep playing. Oh, you dislocate your elbow, okay, you can't be hurt, you gotta keep playing. 
And so I think what our society has kind of raised us to say is like, when you're hurting inside, um, if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling sad, you got to tough it up. You got to build that, that scar tissue and just keep going. And life, you can't do that. You cannot go through life building it up because eventually build up, build up, build up. And it's going to be, it's going to be an overload and, you know, unfortunately bad things happen. And so what it really allows me to do, and I'm, that's, you know, my day to day is zoom, zoom, zoom. So yeah, yeah, yesterday we just launched Seattle. And so it's a hybrid. So they actually, there were some, um, some members in the gym. And then afterwards we did a 30 or we did an hour huddle and it's over zoom. So I did Seattle yesterday. I did New York last night and I did uh, LA and it's just great because it's like my family now. And it's like, I look forward to it and, you know, people share wins. Um, and they also share when they're having just things they just need to talk about. And I think when you have a community, it's like literally having 60 therapists at your, at any time you need them. And then we say the magic really happens after the huddle. So we make a point to check on two or three people that you hadn't checked into. And you just don't know that, that little check-in of, hey, just picking up the phone or sending a text and just say, hey, you know, how are you doing? What's going on? And just the way, the weight of people, you could just feel it. Like sometimes you get on the phone and you could just feel like, man, I'm so glad you called today because I was actually just, I was going through something. And I think just having that community has really helped me tremendously. And just like, it allows me to be vulnerable and it shows me that I don't have to go through this life um, alone and I can, you know, I can build my team back up again. And I think that's very important. Yeah. And that was an organization that I was not super familiar with before you shared it with me. So I thought yeah. that was really a neat thing. And I think it's cool how you talk about the overlap between those two different types of life transitions. Um, and it sounds like for you, it's really beneficial because it not only is a support system for you through MVP, but you're also able to help support other NFL legends through your role that you work on with the legends community. And it sounds like mental health um, and, you know, maintaining your mental well-being and of those around you is a really important role in both of those positions. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And I think that's one thing. And I'm so glad that we're able to talk about mental health because before, you know, even when I had the stigma, if somebody was seeing a therapist or said they had a therapist, they just want to put you in their corner and it's like, oh, something's wrong with him. And it's not, it, it, we, the fact that we're getting out in front of it and understanding that, uh, you know, just when I would go to the gym and do biceps, I'm building my bicep muscle. If I'm doing squats, I'm building my quads. You definitely have to continue to keep working on your on your mental health. It's because uh, mental health is not a bad thing. Mental health is mental health. Um, can it be mental health disorders? Of course. But the more we get out in front of it and the more we can say, hey, you know what? I'm actually not doing so well today. Hey, I actually need to talk to someone. Um, that's when we really can start to make a difference in our society. And it's, you know, and it's, and it's unfortunate because even you know, in our NFL family, um, you know, we've seen the tragedies, you know, week in and week out. And you hear about, you know, different things that are going on. And, you know, uh, uh, Al Toon, who's a, a great receiver, just had a situation that I found out about yesterday that his his daughter was, uh, her life was taken um, for, by her husband in front of her eight-month-old child. Like, that's that's some real heavy stuff. And it's, even though it didn't, if it, even though I know Al and it's not my daughter, but it still wears on you. And if it, it, you, it's still just, you know, cause you hurt for him and you hurt for that family, you hurt for that community. And so I think the more and more you just kind of, you know, just have someone to talk to and have a support system, get out in front of mental health. And it's just, um, cause every day in our, in our world, you know, I, it's, it's almost sometimes where I just don't even want to turn the TV on because I'm afraid of like, okay, what, you know, what, what's going to be the news of the day. And so I think the more we get out in front of it and understanding like our young people, 
Um, I do a lot of work, work in the anti-bullying space. I just did a, a really nice deal with a high school uh, here in New York yesterday over Zoom. I'm just talking about, you know, just dealing with, you know, bully, like cyber bullying and all that, all that stuff plays on your mental health. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad we're able to get out in front of it and talk about it and share that mental health is uh, okay. It's okay to have a therapist. It's welcome to have a therapist. I love talking to my therapist and it's a, it's a great thing. Since you brought that up, um, having a therapist to talk to, and I think especially you hit the nail on the head, I I think life is always hard, but this past year, people have been isolated, Um, so many difficult things going on, Um, you know, whether it's racial tensions, um, the pandemic, loved ones being ill. What would you maybe say to somebody who is intimidated by the idea of seeing a therapist or who has never gone through that process before about what it's been like for you? Yeah, I would just say... uh just just drop the stigma because I think, um, you know, and I'll just give examples of my own personal life of just like, you know, living here in New York City when the whole world shut down, you know, living in a, an apartment, obviously, you know, like not saying it's easier if you live in like a 10,000 square foot home, it's just more space to be lonely. But, uh, but when, you're in a, when you're in New York City, it's like the, the walls, like some days the walls felt like they were, they were closing in. And, you know, for me, you know, having my dog obviously was a tremendous help, which is having someone to talk to because, you know, it's, and a lot of times it's not even necessarily like you're asking for uh, an opinion, but just having someone to talk to because, you know, I can talk to Rambo. He's not my dog. He's not going to talk back, but just, you know, just having someone. So I would just tell, I would tell anyone who's just, um, it's healthy, it's, it's healthy and it's, and it's needed. And if you're married, sometimes your spouse might not be that person, you know what I mean? Because you might be sharing some things that potentially that you just need to, you know, work through. And so just having someone to to be able to talk to and have someone that's trained in that space, I think is really, really helpful. And that's the beautiful thing about MVP is we do have each other, but we have a a clinician that's on all of our calls because, you know, sometimes there's some guys share different things and you can kind of pick up on signs and the clinician to jump in and she's like, Hey, as soon as we get off this call, you know, I can tell you're angry. I can tell there's some things that you, you're really harboring and let's get on a phone call afterwards. And so having someone that's trained, I think is very beneficial. And I would just tell anyone, just drop the stigma and just try it because I think, you know, it was things and it's funny too. It, it just, and I just um, acquired a new therapist, like right at the beginning of the pandemic. And the first time we, we were on the phone and I was like, okay, I think it was like a 30 minute, you know, uh, meeting and we ended up talking for an hour and a half. And I just remember sharing stuff about my childhood, about things were just popping up. And I'm just like, man, next thing I know I'm, I'm in the kitchen and I'm like cooking. And she was like, Oh, you like cooking? I'm like, I love cooking. And it's like my therapy. And so it's just, it's just all those different kinds of things. And I think the more you share and you start to pull back the layers and you start thinking like, man, maybe the things that I'm dealing with at age 49 was something that I didn't address when I was three. You know what I mean? And it's like all of that goes hand in hand. So I would tell anyone that's listening you know, to this or anyone that's hesitant about um, seeing a therapist, um, I would say just go for it because it's, it's the best thing I have going in my life. And I wish, you know, I wish I would have done this a lot earlier in my life. And I can definitely, you know, personally attest to everything that you just shared too, and would encourage people to do the same, um, to at least kind of explore that. One of the things that I love about the Vikings organization is that they do have um, a clinical psychologist and a clinical psychiatrist that um, are available for the players, the coaches, but also all of the staff within the organization as well, um, which I think are such important resources. When we were talking with John Randall, um, I know his career started a little bit before yours and ended a little bit before yours, but you guys did overlap there yeah. for, for some time in the NFL. And he was just talking about the way that 
the stigma has kind of started to break down over the years and how mental health has been a become a more accepted topic to talk about, um, especially yeah. within professional sports. What do you appreciate about seeing the tide kind of starting to turn there and seeing the league put an emphasis on this topic? Yeah, I, I absolutely applaud the league. And so um, a dear friend of mine is Inyaka. So Inyaka actually works for the NFL and she even just had, we just did our, our Legends uh, Summit and uh, our second day of, of uh, training was an hour and a half uh, training on mental health. And I, and I applaud the NFL because it's, it's a thing that I think we should have been doing a long time ago because, you know, I mean, we do realize that, you know, we play a sport and, you know, and I know for a fact, like the day I signed my first NFL contract was the day they were already trying to replace me. <laughs> so that's just the nature of how our, our, how our business sells. But I think we owe it to these young men who come into this National Football League to not just build up their football body, but build up their overall body. And so I think we, and the fact that the NFL has really jumped out in front of it now of saying that we have to, you know, I know part of the CBA, uh, every team has to have a clinician and a psychiatrist on staff. Um, and it's, it's something that's definitely needed because, and for me, I would make it mandatory, but at least they're available, but I would make it mandatory. Like, you know, every Tuesday you got 15, you got 30 minutes, 45 minutes just to talk to someone because you know, I, I was talking to a buddy of mine, uh, Orlando Pace, and he's part of the Legends community as well. And he was just sharing um, a little bit about his his uh, journey. So he was the first overall draft choice uh, as an offensive lineman. So and he he was getting drafted. He got drafted to the St. Louis Rams. They were the, one of the losingest teams in, in football history. So all of a sudden they're like, okay, why would you draft an offensive lineman? That's not a fancy pick. And so he was talking about that mental stress that he had to endure because everyone was saying, oh, he's going to be a bust uh, or he's not going to pan out. Um, oh, this draft pick is too high. And he was like, I had nobody that I can talk to because you can't talk to your parents about what that stress level is like. <laughs> they haven't done that. You can't even really talk to your coaches about what it is to be really to have to carry the weight of the world. He's a big man, so he was able to do it. But to carry the weight of the world uh, or the city on your back every single day and just the stress of like of Obviously, he said, you know, the expectations they put on me um, were very high, but I put higher expectations on myself. But just when I, and now, as I was listening to him share, and we were talking to um, the draft eligible uh, uh, rookies coming in this year. So we were doing like a panel talking to them. And just when I was hearing him speaking, first of all, he was speaking to me. And it was just like, you know, it was just, it resonated inside of me. And I'm like, here's a man, obviously made it to the Hall of Fame, you know, joined John, you know, in the uh, NFL Hall of Fame's offensive lineman. But he had to carry the weight of the world. Like, it, we he he needed someone there, and at that time there was no one there. You know there was no therapist, and it could have went obviously it went great for him, but it could have easily went the opposite direction. So I'm so glad now that NFL is out front of it. I'm glad that all the teams are supported, and now we just have to get more players just to understand that it's it's okay to say I'm not okay. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head too, and and another thing that we've kind of talked about at times throughout the series is that um, mental health challenges don't discriminate. I think people tend to think that, oh, well, they're a professional athlete. They have the finances to deal with things. They have X, Y, and Z. And that's just not the case. I think people maybe don't recognize the different pressures that come with that. Um, but regardless of that, you know, the fact that it doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, what your economic standing is, yeah. you know, mental health is important to focus on. And so I know that that's important to you as well. Yeah. And that's the thing about it. It's like, and it's interesting you said about money. It's like, I, there's like more money, more problems, so more money, more stress. And that's the thing about it. It's like, and people do think like, oh, okay, 
if you have a lot of money, you can solve all your problems. And actually, a lot of times, those sometimes the most successful people are the most are the loneliest um, because you isolate yourself and you you climb, you just climb that ladder. And as you climb, you're just like weeding people out. And all of a sudden you get to the top of that mountain and there's no one there and you're there by yourself. And then you're just looking around like I have no one to, you know, really talk to and no one to share it with. So I I do think that, yeah, it's not, it, it doesn't discriminate. It's not, you know, it's not a it's not a white problem, it's not a black problem, it's not a Hispanic problem, it's a societal problem. And it's just like you, you know, you you look at all of these things that are going on in our community and it's like, you know, and stress, obviously stressors affect your mental health. And so, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, like did it directly affect me on my day-to-day life as far as the streets? Yeah, when I could look out the window and see that. And it was, those are those are stressors. And you see those people that are angry and they're in the street. It's like all of a sudden, even though if I'm not out there marching, I still feel that. And I still, um, you know, I still feel their weight and I feel their pain. And it's just like, you know, so all those things. And the more you can just get up and just talk about it and just share, like, you know, when I was watching something on TV, it really kind of, you know, struck me a different way. And to be able to share that and say, you know, I really didn't like how it made me feel. Um, so that's the thing I think we just have to continue to just just, you know, be open about it and and understanding that there's a lot of people out here who are hurting. And when people when hurt, when people are hurting, they hurt people. And I think that's why you're seeing a lot of unfortunate incidents in grocery stores and malls and different things like that, because, you know, they've been pinning up all this stuff and and they just it's going to come out some way. And unfortunately, it comes out in a bad way sometimes. When you were talking about seeing a therapist and how important that's been for you. Are there are there any other kind of practices that you've adopted into your life, you know, non-professionally that are just helpful for you in maintaining um, your mental health? And what would those be that other people could implement too? Yeah, mine is I'm a I'm a huge yogi. So I love yoga. And it's funny because I started doing yoga in like 1997. And funny enough, so Mary Revin went to Vikings. I introduced Mary to my yoga studio. I got Kevin Warren doing yoga. So they all like got into Bikram yoga and all that stuff. But yeah, I started doing yoga in 97 and I, I mainly started doing it for the flexibility. Um, but then it, 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 then as I started to, you know, get really into it, then just like the breathing and it just like, okay, in the middle of a game and you're in a high stress situation and it's like fourth and two and you got to get the first down, you go to your breath. And that's the same thing in life. And that's the thing that yoga teaches you when you get to a stressful situation or your back is against the wall, if you breathe and you think about back and you think through your life and it's like, you know what, if I would have just took four more breaths before I made that decision or before I actually responded to that question or before I had sent that text or before, you know, before, you know, it's before you hit sin, then it's, it's a whole different situation. I think it, you know, you know, even for here, living in New York City, it's a high stress driving. And I find myself like, you know, someone cuts me off and they're yelling at me. And I'm like, man, and I'm like, OK, let me just breathe. Let me take a deep breath. So so that that helps a lot. You know, just the breathing, um, meditation, um, just taking time out of just because we don't like we spend, you know, all day long on that this little thing over here called a phone. And I look at it and I'm just like, oh, my screen time today was 14 hours. I'm like, this is ridiculous. So, you know, so just like put that thing down. Um, takes no one takes a lot of people don't even take 30 minutes for themselves out of a given day but I try to take like at least an hour sometimes two hours of just like stillness quietness um and I know for a fact if I'm not um if I don't have if I'm not 100% given to myself then I can't give nothing to anyone else and so I think the yoga I know for a fact the yoga uh, meditation helps and I like cycling it's kind of the same thing it's you know, it's a sport. Obviously, you can ride with other people, but it's also a sport that you can get out and ride by yourself. And it's just like, you know, sometimes like, man, do I really want to go out and do 30 miles today? 
And then all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? I'm out there. My mind is clear. I'm just enjoying being outside and just, um, it did not come back. I'm just a different person. So just, I guess, I guess all overall is exercise. <laughs> exercise really helps. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've never been a good yoga person, but a number of people have brought it up during the series. So maybe I'll have to <laughs> give it another shot after yeah, this. It'd be great. Definitely. <laughs> um, and Tony, I think lastly, just, I love getting to chat with you a little bit on the phone before this. And I shared with you a little bit about this project and about kind of our mission behind it. And you were all in, you know, you and I have never really worked together before. And I love how, how much you jumped in. Do you have anything else, I guess, that you haven't mentioned that you would love for, for listeners to take away from this today, from your message? Yeah, I think that, I think, you know, and obviously thank you so much for having me on today, but I, I think it's the biggest thing is just like, um, self check-ins. And I think, um, checking on like your friends and your family, because I'm always, and I've always, I don't even know how I started to adopt this, but you know, obviously now with a lot of things still being closed, but I always would, if I see someone in, in a restaurant, the server, I was like, Hey, how's your day going? And it's amazing how many times when you ask someone how their day is going. And I've had, you know, some servers like, Oh, you know, today's great. And then somebody would be like, wow, you know what? I'm so glad you asked me that because, you know, I literally was having the worst day of my life. And I think if we just, check on two or three people. It's not hard to check on your family, your friends, just to kind of see like, you know, don't get and don't let them give you like, it's like, Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. And just keep moving. Like, no, how are you really doing? And I think the more we can do self check-ins and it doesn't have to be two people a day, but if you just check on like two or three people a week and just ask them like, seriously, like, you know, how are you doing? And Hey, I'm here for you. If you need someone to talk to, I think the more we do that, because, you know, unfortunately we live, you know, everyone has different lives and, you know, this pandemic is still affecting a lot of people. But I think just when people, you know, when they know someone really cares about them, they know there's another day uh, that, you know, that they can live. And that's the thing I just, unfortunately, we've seen, unfortunately seen, you know, people take their lives. And that's the thing that we, we need to get, we get our arms around that. Well, amen. I can definitely um, echo all of that, Tony. And I really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us today and share some of your thoughts. And I know it's going to make an impact for a lot of people. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you to Tony for joining us for that conversation. I learned so much. I love hearing from Tony and just his passion for this area um, and his connection too to Minnesota and the Vikings community still. Just a really great person to listen to. Thank you guys for listening to another segment of Getting Open. And I do want to encourage you to continue to keep your eyes on all Vikings digital platforms. We do have one more segment coming up of this series, and then we'll additionally have a wrap-up segment as well. So really looking forward to sharing that content with you. So keep an eye out.